Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Welcome. We gotta give give him some woos. Hello. Oh, is that Christina Aguilera? Oh. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, give me give me a key. Give, give me a key to match. Is that what they call it? A, the key of A. A. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know keys or music. Do you want Do you want a D? A B flat. B flat. B. <laughs> 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 yeah, a lot of people don't know, but Mo went to Juilliard School of Music, so... This is a D. D. There we go. There's, there it is. E. Yep. E. Oh, there we go. E. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, so here we are. We're back. <laughs> We're back <laughs> with another mini-sode. That's what that means. As you know, we always start off the mini-sodes with a good old woo, just to get you in the mood. Yeah, well, we usually do like vocal exercises before this, but we usually keep that secret and private. Right. We do like the Sharpay, like, what does she even do? Sharpay? What are you talking about? From High School Musical. Oh, <laughs> I haven't watched High School Musical since <laughs> I was in elementary school. It's like, wah, wah, or whatever the fuck. Sharpay, that was Ashley Tisdale's character. Wah, 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 wah. Sure. I know the guys played basketball to warm up for their musical numbers. Right. We should do that too, actually. We really should play more basketball. I've been telling you this for so long. Yeah. Me and you on the court, <laughs> no one could stop us. Juke them out. We all know our dexterity is on point. Cannot be rivaled. Yep. As you have a pillow on your chair. For back support. <laughs> um, so before we start, as usual, I'd like to start with a Pledge of Allegiance, if you'd join me. <sighs> I pledge allegiance uh, to the flag, come on, <laughs> of the United States of America. They're trying to revoke my marriage <laughs> rights, I think. You don't want to do that, okay? Right, I right. would like to be married, ideally. All right, so well, it's a mini Hey, you listen to According to an Idiot. I'm Jeremy. I'm Mo. And today we are going to be talking about the Madhouse. What? What is that? <laughs> From like a movie? <laughs> the Madhouse, the asylum. Monster House? <laughs> like the old man who's like angry about people being on his lawn? His heavy set wife that fell into cement. <laughs> Remember that? Into cement and now she curses the house to eat children. Yeah, it's such a weird movie for kids. Yeah. She died because like she was heavily obese and kids were taunting her. Right, and like throwing rocks at her. And then she like got angry and she fell into the that was actually really sad. Yeah, it was very sad, yeah. That poor old man loved her so much. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, <laughs> that's not even remotely what we're talking about. <laughs> the Madhouse. By the Madhouse I mean like insane asylums, essentially. Spooky. Honestly, I don't really know what this is going to turn into. Okay. Taking notes on this, I really lost direction like mm. seven different times. It took me forever to take these notes because I kept on like, anytime I found a tangent, I would follow it way too far and then catch myself <laughs> and be like, this is not even re remotely interesting or whatever. So I don't really know how this is going to turn out. That's basically the story of every single one of our episodes. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of my notes. I just put X's through whole pages <laughs> and I'm like, don't even talk about this one. Yeah. So I thought I would just sort of take us through um, a very, very cursory glance at the more unusual treatment of mental illness mm -hmm. through the ages. But to this day, mental health and the treatment of mental illness is very taboo. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine back in the day, it was just triple taboo. Yeah. Ultra bad. Ultra bad. <laughs> uh, deluxe horrible. <laughs> Some of that's kind of spooky and weird and I thought we could talk about that. Yeah. So, again, we're going to see where this goes. I have absolutely no faith in this having any kind of narrative to it. I love that. But. Much like life, you know. Well, there we go. That's a good way to look at it. There, there's not really a narrative until the end and you look back on it and you're like, wow, there was a common theme this whole time. It was a madhouse. And that theme was, I'm a loser. <laughs> okay, so, start with the ancients. From the moment man could determine dysfunction in the mind of another he sought to diagnose a cause. No matter how absurd, early theories to the causes of mental, page turn, illness. 
(laughs) (laughs) But these ancient causes for mental illness sound in modern context very similar to the ravings of a lunatic, oddly enough. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here are some early theories and explanations of mental illness to our ancient ancestors. Sick. Numero uno. Angelic or demonic visitations. You get visited by an angel or a demon, mm-hmm. and then it like turns your brain to scrambled eggs. Right, right, right. Number two, the influence of planetary bodies, mm-hmm. like eclipses and gravity and stuff like that. So not trees. Not not trees. Right, like plant plants. Number three, <laughs> atmospheric changes, <laughs> the weather, stuff like that. Number four, got some occult forces, ah. hauntings, possessions. That makes the most sense to me. And then we've got bodily irregularity. Periods. Periods. You got to poop. Right. It's making you schizophrenic. <laughs> this is what I thought was strange. Political and economic ideologies. Okay. I could see that. Even back in the day. So like, oh, you're a socialist? Yeah, they knew. Fucking commie. Socialists be crazy. Communists, man. Right. That's the worst of them. Fuck them. And then also the effects of sin or self-indulgence. That's that's one that kind of was considered to be the cause for the longest. Yeah. Especially in places like medieval Europe and stuff like that. Right. Some early physical treatments for mental illness, oddly enough, had a lot to do with sleep. Okay. So sleep treatment is the practice of using deep sleep to restore and heal the mind and body. And in ancient Egypt, around 2900 BC, Imhotep, <laughs> Chancellor to the Pharaoh and purported architect of the Pyramid of Djoser is credited with the creation of what's called incubation sleep or temple sleep. Okay. So with this, a mentally ill patient would be washed and then made to sleep overnight in a sleep temple. And afterwards, priests would perform rituals and interpret the patient's dream and decipher the cause of their illness. So really it was like dream, oh, okay. like dream reading kind of, you know? In ancient Greece, temple sleep was prominent in medical practices. In these temples, it was thought that there were snakes that would lick the eyelids of the sleeping patient to induce healing dreams. What the fuck? So mystical components aside, the priests then later interpreted the dreams in a conversational manner, which would often coax confessions from a troubled patient's mind Mm -hmm. and offer relief. So it's like therapy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Therapy is nice. What does this mean to you? And what does that mean to you? You Right. Okay. Yeah. You just get to nap beforehand, and that's so nice. You should bring that back. So jumping ahead a little bit, the patron saint of mental illness. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to jump that gap. I guess we're just jumping into this. This is going to be a scattershot episode. The patron saint of mental illness? Yes. We have one of those? Yeah. Uh, the name's Mo. Oh, my God. No. Um. So saint... I am no saint, sir. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> All right. So Saint Dymphna. Saint Dymphna is a Christian saint honored in the Catholic and Orthodox Church. She allegedly lived in 7th century Ireland, born the daughter of a king. Hmm. According to legend, when Dymphna's mother died, the king's mental health declined drastically. And when pressed by his advisors to remarry, the king desired to marry his daughter because of her resemblance to her mother. Ew. Yeah. Having taken a vow of chastity... Dymphna fled to Belgium, where she founded a hospice for the mentally ill. Her father eventually traced her whereabouts and arrived in Belgium. The king ordered his soldiers to kill Dymphna's companions who had helped her escape, and ordered his daughter to return to Ireland and wed him. When Dymphna refused, the mad king struck her, cutting off her head. I'd rather die, too, than that. What the hell? Then fuck your dad? Yeah, probably. Yeah, and be married to him? Oh, it depends on how hot your dad is. If, like, John Stamos was your dad, then, like, maybe, right? <laughs> is that Full House guy? Yeah. What? Yeah, of course that's Full House guy. Is that Full House guy? <laughs> Don't tarnish him. Are you telling me a lesbian am supposed to be attracted to whoever okay. the fuck Full House guy no, is? No, no, no. I think that John Stamos transcends across the sexuality spectrum. I feel like Ryan Gosling transcends. That's just your opinion. For me, because he, he's kind of like a femboy. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. No, I, I, I got you a little bit. He, he feels vulnerable and sensitive. He seems quiet. Yeah. He seems like he would cry after sex, and that's appealing, I guess, for me. But I guess the father would cry after sex, too, so I guess it's really a toss-up. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> okay, I'm, gonna, I'm deeply uncomfortable with this. We're going to speed along. 
Dymphna's hospice continued to thrive and expand with the mentally ill making pilgrimages to seek psychiatric treatment at said hospice. So it sort of continued in her honor being operated and people would come from all over to Mm -hmm. seek treatment there. Mm-hmm. So when the hospice ran out of beds, locals supposedly began taking these people in, and these people were referred to as boarders. Mm. These individuals would be cared for by the town residents while they worked menial labor in exchange for boarding. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah. Uh, this tradition grew in this town. It's the town of Giel, Belgium. And at its peak in the 1930s, there were an estimated 4,000 boarders adopted by the residents at a given time. Whether the origin is actually from a girl named Dymphna, I have no idea. That could be, you know. Right, the town legend type thing. Right. But it allegedly did grow into an actual hospice for the mentally ill. Yeah. And the town kind of stepped in. Wow, look at them showing up. I know. For people in need. That's right. Imagine a country that does that. No, I just not. Not not in my country. (laughs) I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Fuck you guys. If you want to suffer, that's that's your choosing. I want to help people. I want to shoot people. So Dymphna was crowned a martyr, a martyr, God bless, a martyr by the church in 620 AD for her purity and kindness, later canonized as a saint. Wow. So the miracles, when you become a saint, you have to, you become a saint because like you performed a miracle. Right. I guess some miracles purportedly occurred following the discovery of her tomb. I have no idea what the miracles that happened were, but I guess after they unearthed her tomb, mm-hmm. some guy was cured of ED and he's like, oh, <laughs> canonize this bitch. So today she remains the patron saint of mental illness, neurological disorders, victims of sexual assault and incest, depression, anxiety, sleep disorders, and runaways. Hmm. So that's St. Dipna. Thanks, Dipna. So just as she kind of established what they call it a hospice for the mentally ill, it's kind of like an early psych ward or psych hospital or asylum, as they used to be called. Mm-hmm. So just a brief glimpse of psych hospitals through history. Temples and churches served as a refuge for the mentally ill for centuries, from ancient Egyptian sleep temples, like we talked about in the Greek healing temples, to Muslim and Christian monastery hospitals. For example, monasteries would offer shelter for the ill with an infirmary and an herb garden that served as an outpatient pharmacy operated by monks. Wow, that's crazy. sick as hell. And um, a lot of like work with mental illness and stuff advanced in the medieval Islamic world. So in the medieval Islamic world, um, I'm going to mispronounce this, by Maristans okay. were hospitals that treated all illnesses and issues including mental illness. And these hospitals were made to serve all people, regardless of race, religion, gender, or citizenship. A property of Islamic law stated that no person in need could be turned away. And mentally ill patients were cared for with treatments that utilized exposure to natural sunlight, fresh air, clean water, and music therapy. Hmm. So we're going to jump over to where all the fucked up shit is, which is medieval Europe. (laughs) Nice. You can always rely on medieval Europe to produce absolute horrors. Yeah, like, holy hell, they were really just, like, experimenting with the human form and how to make it suffer the most. I really don't know what was going on in medieval Europe. I don't know what it is about Europe specifically, mainly, yeah. especially Western Europe and Eastern, the whole continent, the whole, all of Europe, just atrocity after atrocity. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was happening all over the world as well. We just live in a Western society that, like, yeah. I just know that I know more about Europe than other parts of the world, too. Well, they also did a lot of fucked up stuff, so I feel like <laughs> it's it's fair to focus on them. Yeah. Sure that there were like other bad things going on, but like a lot of people tend to steer the conversation that way. Yeah. You know, it's like the 1940s. Everyone focuses on Nazi Germany because uh, that was kind of the worst thing that was happening that was right, kind of yeah. on the forefront of everyone's mind. And it could just be because it's also the most documented. Right. It's always kind of fun for me to hear back on old treatment methods and things uh, because it always makes me think about how barbaric some of our current treatment methods are going to seem in the future. Mainly chemo, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sure like most cancer treatments and things like that because, I mean, they admit the way that we do it is so fucked because we just don't know a better way. Chemo is essentially, if you don't know or if other people don't know, it's just mass killing your cells yeah just so that you can kill the cancer ones so they like target it in specific areas hoping to kill the cancer cells but that also means you kill healthy cells as well and there isn't like a great way to specifically target cancer cells 
Um, so that's why like chemo is so hard. Right. It's just like a smoke out. Yeah, basically, which is kind of like primitive. <laughs> no, yeah, it's weirdly primitive for how advanced we are otherwise mm -hmm. with medicine. It's just like, we'll cut it out and then blast it and hope we kill the, the rest of it. Like raising a city. Because mm -hmm. the chemo is really what kills you. Right. Even if the cancer is going to kill you either way. So fucked. So treatment of mental disorders in medieval Europe varied depending on the beliefs of each physician that you were kind of working with. Medicine at that time in Europe was not super organized. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of just people cutting things out. <laughs> At this time in Europe, one common theory was that supernatural forces were to blame for any kind of psychological irregularity. The mentally ill were, in effect, the victim of a witch's curse or were possessed by one or more demonic spirits. <laughs> Medieval doctors subscribed to the supernatural hypothesis would treat mental illness using prayer and chanting incantations or by performing a good old-fashioned exorcism as well. A more invasive procedure to expel evil spirits from patients suffering from, like, epilepsy was what was called trephining or trepanning or making a burr hole is also what it's called. Whoa. So you can imagine what this is. So um, trepanning, I, I, I'm sure, again, this is not how you pronounce it, but trepanning or uh, trepanning, because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like a word no matter how I pronounce it, Yeah, is a surgical intervention involving a hole being drilled or scraped into a patient's skull. By perforating the top of the skull and exposing the outer membrane of connective tissues surrounding uh, the brain, it was thought to relieve pressure of blood buildup that might form following a head injury. So it was also used to cure or alleviate seizures and symptoms of mental illness. Ancient trepanning, again, trepanning, whatever, I'm going to sound like an idiot to somebody who knows this, was performed to release evil spirits believed to be haunting a body. And evidence of this procedure can be found from as far back as the Neolithic period of the Stone Age. The large number of Neolithic skulls that we found have neatly punctured holes that appear rounded off by ingrowth of new bone tissue, indicating that the individuals not only had their skulls perforated, but like survived it. Whoa. Indication that it was intentional, like surgical. And also Stone Age cave paintings depict the procedure. You know, something that's fun about our podcast, I think, is that we do a lot of like really deep and I think thorough research. But one thing we have never done and I think refuse to do is just look up the pronunciations of things <laughs> prior to. And then we're just like, it's always uh, thinking about it. I'm like, I should have just fucking Googled this. Right. I should have just like Googled it. And I'm like, no, I'll just figure it out. I'll do it for some words. If there's some words that I just have no, that I know I won't be able to guess when I'm speaking, like when we're recording. That's true. You do. You do it sometimes. I, I don't think I ever have. <laughs> I just go in with the knowledge that I'm going to fuck it up. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? You're signing up for this. You're going to listen to me butcher this. So contrary to popular belief, most medieval doctors didn't actually contribute mental illness to like demons and supernatural forces. It was kind of, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. And God bless America. A more widely shared belief was that mental illness came from malfunctioning organs or an imbalance of the humors. Have you heard of the humors? No. The humors, or humoral theory, was developed and adopted by ancient Greek and Roman physicians. It's also called humorism. And humorism was a system of medicine that proposed that the human body contains four primary fundamental elements. And these were substances that acted as chemical systems which regulated human behavior. Okay. So there's four. Can, do you want to guess any of these? What do you think? So I'll give you a hint. They're secretions. Oh, God. Okay. So four secretions that direct human behavior. Or fluids, bodily fluids. Tears. Okay, tears. Genital stuff, butt stuff. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sweat. So tears, cum, poop, sweat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my guess. You literally got none of them correct. So. Oh my God, what? Got, Not uh, even got, poop? I'm surprised too. Not even poop. Not even poop. So wow. here's, here are the four. Blood. Ah, uh, okay, right, of course. Phlegm. Okay, yeah. Yellow bile. Yeah. And black bile. Okay, that's fair enough. Medical texts from ancient Greece describe these humors as being fundamental to our mental and physical well-being. Quote, health is primarily that state in which these substances are in correct proportions to each other, both in strength and quantity, and are well mixed. Ew, Pain I... occurs when one of the substances presents either a deficiency or an excess, or is separated in the body and not mixed with the others. 
Hmm. Unquote. Also, I can't remember what that quote's from. I just quoted it. I think it's just from the Wikipedia page. Sorry. <laughs> so different philosophers argued what exactly these humors were and their origin. The philosopher Hippocrates and Roman physician Galen, these guys defined the humors primarily as bodily fluids occurring naturally. Mm -hmm. While others believe that these substances were created or caused by certain foods and drinks, one school of thought was that your body just naturally made these, these juices. Mm -hmm. And then the other school of thought was that you consumed to create more of these juices. Right. It was all stuff that you consumed. This kind of reminds me of Ayurveda. Have you heard of that before? No. I believe it originated from India, but it's like a school of thought. It has to do with body composition and how what you eat influences different factors. So each person has like a different composition of earth, fire, water, air types. I can't remember what all of them are called, but like kapha, I think is earth. And then there's like pitta, which is fire. And Vata, I think that's air. And I don't think there's a water one. But you have like a different composition of those. So if you're someone who's like very kapha, very earth, then you're probably short, kind of stocky, um, kind of slow. You're someone who could like use more spicy foods or like, you know, stuff like that because it kind of counterbalances your composition. Um, if you're like someone who's pitta and very fiery, then you need cooling foods because you're probably someone oh, with like... Oh, this is very similar to that. Yeah, like you probably yeah. have like greasier skin. You probably are like more flush, you know, different stuff like that. If you're like... Gross. You know, <laughs> if you're vada, then you're tall and lanky and... Yeah, this is yeah. probably built off of this because this is a very old theory and it mm -hmm. was actually like in practice for a really, really long time. And it went from the Greeks to... The Romans, and then it ended up in Europe even. So mm -hmm. some scholars revised the theory, suggesting that the four humors represented the four elements, earth, fire, water, and air. And key authorities on the humors deny this idea, instead insisting that the humors are literal body fluids. Nice. The physician Gallen theorized certain foods had the potential to trigger an increase in certain humors. So like warm foods produced yellow bile, for example, and cold foods were more likely to produce phlegm. Hmm. Okay. Obviously. I would love this. Looking at the theory that these are like earth, fire, water, and air. I would love like an avatar, the last airbender, but with <laughs> blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Gross. What's earth? I'm a phlegm bender. What's earth for the biles? Probably black bile. Black bile? Fire's going to be blood. <laughs> Actually, no, earth might be phlegm because phlegm is colder. What? <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, water. I guess water could be cold. I just think like earth Whoa, is colder what? than fire. What well, fire is blood. Fire. <laughs> okay, look, it makes sense. Just follow the logic. But which air should be phlegm because air is in the mouth and nose. Okay, so one thing though is that their definition of phlegm is different than our modern definition. For them, phlegm is anything from actual snot and phlegm to spit, just the clear liquids that come out of you. That's still air, I think. More more air than bile or blood. Blood. So let's continue this and then we'll we'll decide which if you're a phlegm bender or if you're a, <laughs> a black bile bender. Ooh, the black bile benders is a good name for a band. That sounds really cool. Blood benders a thing. In the in the show? Yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah, I remember Katara like met this old lady in the woods. I've no, I've never actually watched Avatar. <gasps> I know. I just, it was always on when I was a kid. I've watched some of it, but never actually the full thing. Wow. Jeremy. Yeah. I know, I know. It's anyway, your project. That should be your project. So let's start with blood. <laughs> so blood is also, uh, the humor is also called sanguine. Mm -hmm. The blood is the product of food digestion. Your diet impacted the nutritional value of your blood, and the nutritional value of the blood was the source of energy for the body and soul. Blood was thought to also contain proportional amounts of the other three humors as well, meaning that a doctor could examine your blood, examine a, a blood sample, to determine the balance of all four of your humors in your body. Okay. So the blood humor was also associated with a sanguine nature. I don't know if you've heard that word before, but it's like enthusiasm, mm -hmm. activeness, like a social nature. And also these are also linked to different parts of the life cycle. So like blood okay. is associated with infancy. My blood is very extroverted. That's what you're saying? Yeah, blood makes you talk. You got the blood <laughs> pumping, you know? Mm, okay. So each humor has a season. 
and blood season is spring because people with an excess of blood displayed characteristics associated with being hot and wet. Interesting. <laughs> so number two is yellow bile. Yellow bile is associated with a choleric nature, ambitious, decisive, aggressive, short-tempered. It was believed to be the fluid found in the gallbladder and also in vomit and feces. <laughs> It's associated with warm foods and overall dry and hot qualities. The season it's associated with is summer. Someone with an excess of yellow bile was thought to exhibit emotional irregularities like intense anger and irrational behavior. So you can imagine that yellow bile would probably be the root cause of mental illness back then. Wow. Okay. In some cases. So that's why they did bloodletting and stuff like that? Exactly. That's a big reason. Bloodletting was really inspired by the humors. So black bile. Black bile is associated with a melancholy nature. The word melancholy literally derives from the Greek word um, melena kole. That sounds like a woman's name. I was going to say that sounds like an artist, <laughs> like Elena Morissette. Ladies and gentlemen, melena kole. <laughs> I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong, but still, and that stands for black bile. So melancholy means black bile. Wow. So depression was thought to be caused by an unnatural quantity of black bile secreting from the spleen. Back in the day, they thought cancer was caused by an accumulation of black bile in the area that the cancer was present in. Interesting. And the season associated with it is autumn and fall because of the cold and dry characteristics associated with both. So how do I fix my black bile? Uh, what's something you want to talk to your doctor about? <laughs> I'm not, you know, licensed to give you any medical opinions. I would say just start draining your blood. It's probably the safest way to go about it. Get in your what bathtub and just start. What would the Romans do? That's what I want to do. Okay. The Romans would probably, they'd probably just kill you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're very killable in the Roman. Probably, yeah. Yeah, in the Roman Empire. I'd be like, huh, I want to fuck a woman. And they'd be like, okay. No, we only fuck boys here in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, pedophilia was huge in ancient Rome. Pedophilia? Yeah. Gross. Yeah, the dudes love the boys. Yeah, this podcast does not like pedophiles. Yeah, I wanted That's to make that gross. very clear. Very clear. We don't like pedophiles, okay? There's one thing you should take away from this episode. Pedophiles are a no. Yeah, you know, the more I read about these pedophiles, I'm just not a big fan of them. I just can't agree. I can't agree. Call me a contrarian, but I'm just not into it. I just I just don't, I can't approve of that. So number four, phlegm. Let's stop talking about pedophiles and let's get back to phlegm, can we? Okay. Something more palatable. Phlegm is linked to a phlegmatic... Nature. Okay. Meaning unemotional, calm, and reserved. <laughs> In ancient Greece, phlegm described a variety of white or colorless secretions, like I said before. Pus, mucus, saliva, or sweat. So you were, you said sweat, didn't you? I said sweat and butt stuff, and you said butt stuff was connected to bile. Butt stuff isn't really connected to bile. Actually, no, you're right. You got too right. I did, yeah. Oh my God. Tears is clear, so that's phlegmy. Tears for fears. Yeah, you're right. I guess so. I guess so. It's, tears are like sweat, right? Yeah. No cum so far. No cum. <laughs> <laughs> Phlegm as a humor was associated with the brain. Because as we know, your boogers come from your brain. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. And the season, winter, because of its cold and wet characteristics. Gross. Moving on from the humors, uh, medieval doctors treated what was perceived as imbalanced humors through diet, primitive medicines, and bloodletting, most commonly with leeches. When it came to mental illness, medieval doctors diagnosed conditions like depression and schizophrenia, which were for the most part unknown at the time. Instead, they were seen as a result of an excess of black bile, which had always been known to cause melancholia. So to rebalance the humans, the humans, the humors of mentally ill patients, doctors resorted to a combination of the following. Emetics, which are substances known to induce vomiting when injected or administered orally. For example, these are used today in hazardous products like rat poison. In rat poison, there's an emetic in there for humans if they ingest it because rats can't vomit. Mm, okay. So it's not going to affect them, but it will make sure that the humans throw out the poison. And like today, vets use like hydrogen peroxide on like dogs and cats to make them throw up. Right. A common ancient emetic was a mixture of salt water and mustard water. So if you want to give yourself an emetic at home, I shouldn't be even be saying that because people, it's a part of an eating disorder. So never mind. <laughs> I'm sure if people had an eating disorder and were acting on it, they probably already knew. Probably. Well, they probably found it a different way than mustard water and salt water. Yeah. Also laxatives. So just poop, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And then bloodletting, which is very small amounts of blood 
typically administered by a physician to be safe because you know bloodletting is safe if you do it right <laughs> it's just like using drugs i guess it's not the worst thing it's just kind of pointless and in, like introducing yourself to infection you say pointless i say good <laughs> some of us have found a lot of success with bloodletting mo yeah no evil spirits are in my body thanks to bloodletting is that how it works yes don't you need an exorcism no no, no you just you just start i'm cutting. just reading back your notes i'm reading back your notes bud Hey, you know what? I Don't fucking fact check me. Don't fucking fact check me. <laughs> God damn it. Um, and lastly, a diuretic, which induces piss. <laughs> so that's also what they would do. Or coffee. You can just drink coffee. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It's a diuretic. That's got two of them. You got the uh, laxatives and diuretic. Her water. Just drink water. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if I could give anyone advice, just drink water because it solves a lot of problems you might have. If you're not drinking water every day, you got to start. Get yourself a large water bottle. Mm -hmm. I know you feel like a nerd, but it's cool not to do that. Your piss will be clear. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. That's it? That's the only benefit? Your piss will be clear. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's very exciting. One thing with like my ADHD is that I have a really hard time drinking water consistently. Yeah. And like I'll go through the whole day without drinking water and I'm like, God, why do I have such bad fucking headaches? Why do I have a headache every single goddamn day? And I'm like, I have not had anything except coffee. Yes, absolutely. No, that, that was a big issue. Like me started when I started to drink water, I like my, I didn't get stomach aches or headaches. I, I just felt more awake mm -hmm. because I was only drinking like sweet tea <laughs> and coffee all day. So like, yeah, no shit. That's going to make you not function at your best. So basically, the mentally ill patients in medieval Europe were subjected to a slew of medical treatments, all of which shared the goal of getting as much gunk out of their bodies as humanly possible, be it blood, puke, or poop, mm -hmm. uh, in the hope that whatever excrement they had you spewing out of whatever hole, black bile was leaving with it. Mm -hmm. So for those suffering from nervous distempers relating to humor imbalances affecting the head and brain, knit caps called kukufas, <laughs> kukufas were given to patients to wear. And the hats contained therapeutic spices that, that were actually woven into the fabric of the hat. Wow. And there's all spices that were thought to help with mental ailments. So you're just wearing the spices on your head. <gasps> I would do that now. Yeah. Just put a bunch of rosemary and a knit Carhartt wow. skull cap. That's really cool. That probably smells amazing. Your head would be so fucking... Smelly good. Smelly good. <laughs> Talking about pheromones. Mmm, you're smelly good. Be irresistible. Yum. <laughs> um, so oddly enough, humorism as a whole wouldn't fully fall out of popularity until the mid-1800s with the founding of the germ theory, mm -hmm. which was a way better explanation of like sicknesses and health and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I still subscribe to humorism. I think there's just a lot more science behind it. You know, we can't see a germ. Yeah. After we're done recording, I want you to take the Ayurveda quiz and see where you fall. But you can take a quiz about it? Yeah, and figure out what, you know, composition or whatever it, you are. Maybe we'll do that at the end. My guess is that you're a Kapha, primarily. Okay, I already forgot what that means. You're also but... a Taurus, so that fits. Because I'm a Taurus? Yeah, you're also a Taurus, so it fits. You're a lot of earth, very earthy. A lot of earth. I'm full of dirt. <laughs> yeah. You're also like king of pentacles or whatever in the tarot. Yes. I have no idea what that means. So <laughs> um, in, in contrast to the medieval Islamic world, the hospitals for the mentally ill in medieval Europe were not as idyllic. They weren't like, hey, let's just give you some sunlight and let's just, you know, make you relaxed and music therapy, stuff like that. In medieval Europe, they like called you a lunatic and like locked you in a cell. Oh, my God. Also, just a little warning. I don't know if I even have to say this, but like the term lunatic was in common use back then, so I will be using the term lunatic. Well, it, it was because of the moon, right? Because they thought yeah. that the moon swayed emotions and feelings so much. Um, so they thought that, like, if you were hysterical, it was because of the moon, so they called you a lunatic. La luna. Yeah. Mostly women. <laughs> Mostly the <laughs> so like, women, yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, because women are crazy, right? Right. <laughs> and they're more, they're more influenced by the moon because of their menstrual cycles. Because they're freaking crazy. You can just say it, Mo. They bloodlet every month, so they're super healthy as far as mm -hmm. I'm concerned. That's very true. Well, you know what? They actually thought with, the, with humorism, they saw menstruation as the body naturally purging out wow. an imbalance of the humors. That's what they really saw it as before they really totally got that it was about reproductive health and cycle. Mm -hmm. So 
Let's talk about lunatic asylums. <laughs> Yay. This is off topic, and this also happened like 20 minutes ago. Hell yeah. But I was always told as a kid, and I'm curious if you were as well, that anytime I sneezed, then someone had to say bless you or else a demon would enter my body. Uh, would they say that seriously or jokingly? I'm not sure. Because I believe that's why you do say bless you. Well, no. You say bless you when someone sneezes because it was started around the time of and like plague times because that was a sign that you were sick. Mm -hmm. Back then it was like a um, like sarcastic way of joking that you had the plague. Oh. Even God, back then it was like sarcastic. assholes. Oh, yeah. Well, we're very dark creatures. Yeah. Yeah. So bless you because anytime you would sneeze, you'd be like, oh, fuck. You got, you know. You're dead. Y'all dead. Um, so and then came the boils. And that's when you knew. I better start getting my affairs in order. Joke's on you. I always had boils. Yeah, well, you know, you've got them all lanced now, so they're good. Well, you don't know. <laughs> they came back? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's that Texas heat. You're in Texas now, so you got that, right. that heat getting it's to you. It's great for boils. It's great. It's great. That's why they call it boil country. <laughs> Out here in boil country. <laughs> okay. So across medieval Europe, the relatively small population of, of society deemed mad were housed in institutions specifically for the mentally ill. And in some cases, they were monasteries, uh, like we mentioned previously. Mm -hmm. now, some cities and towns had towers where the mad were confined. Other places built separate wings onto pre-existing hospitals. I'm going to talk about, I think, three major historical asylums. And the first one I want to talk about is the Naren term. Asylum. Okay. The Naren term, which is German for the Fool's Tower, was built in Vienna in 1784. Okay. So it was um, it was built next to the old Vienna General Hospital, a 17th century military hospital that grew into a sprawling complex with students and staff housing, numerous patient wards, maternity ward, orphanage, and of course a lunatic asylum. So the Naren term is the single oldest building for psychiatric patients in all of continental Europe. Wow. It consisted of a five-story circular building resembling a fortress. Um, it contained 28 rooms plus a central chamber. Altogether, there were a total 139 individual cells to hold patients. While windows are featured around the building, you can actually look, look at photos of this if you look it up. There's windows all around the building, but there's like slit windows. So it's like... A sliver of sunlight can get through. Mm -hmm. So there's not much natural light, which is ironic because like natural light helps you for some reason mentally to heal. Well, it's probably because like humans are made to be outside considering like evolution. Like that's kind of where we've been. So now our body's like, mm, this means good. This is happy. I don't know. Just wait until, uh, you know, 100 years from now. We're all going to be operating at nighttime. I'm predicting it now. You think in a hundred years? I would say sooner than that. All of us are are, are going to. hundred <laughs> percent. No, no. I'm. Here's the thing. Here's okay. Listen, listen, Mel. With climate change. Okay. Yeah. The temperature is going to be rapidly increasing, becoming more. You know, whether it's humid or arid, it's going to be hot as fuck everywhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. to beat the heat, we're going to be inside during the daytime, preferably sleeping or whatever. Or even if you aren't sleeping, if you're working from home, you're still going to be totally indoors because you can't survive out on the outside. And then at nighttime, that's when everything's going to come alive and like businesses are going to operate at normal hours. Okay. We're going to become vampire people. I feel like we're going to be like, what's it called? It's like bi, bi something. Bisexual. Bisennial or something. Bisexual. <laughs> yes. That's what happens too. With no sunlight, you do become bisexual. So <laughs> bisexual vampires, 50 years from now, you know. Okay, this is like so off topic, but bisexual made me think of it. So The Sims, um, everything always goes back to The Sims. I, it has yes, to. It's one of the trademarks of this. So they're like coming out with this update or something to make it so people can make their Sims straight. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> Which is really funny. And I feel like for like, you know, people who don't really play The Sims or haven't before is like it might come out as pride or, you know, them being liberal or progressive or whatever because then you can have gay sims you can have queer sims um and they also have like pronouns and things but it's funny because sims have always been like pansexual yeah like they would fuck anyone and anything and it never mattered at all like they like never saw gender when it came to sex um, if you weren't careful like your straight sim would like become too good of friends with his male best friend and like 
you could accidentally press kiss and you'd fall in love. Right. Yeah. And they would get married and stuff. Like everybody is a romantic option. Right. Like if you become good enough friends with anybody as a sim, you can then fuck that person. Right. Which is honestly, <laughs> I never thought of that, but that's, it's very like. Very progressive. Ultra progressive in terms of like. Very progressive the, for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're begrudgingly making it an option to be straight or, you know, some other sexuality or whatever. It's just like a, like a, like, um, the safety on a gun. <laughs> it's like that. It's so I can't accidentally right. have a gay relationship in my Sims game. Yeah. So the Naren term. <laughs> so the construction of the, uh, Naren term was devised following the discovery of underground dungeons beneath Vienna that had been used by local capuchin monks for housing their mentally ill brothers or loved ones and neighbors. Not clear, I'm not sure, but they would house the mentally ill people and, and care for them, but they would keep them underground in these tunnels in secret. Like it kind of is the, the start of like keeping your mentally ill tucked away, you know? Mm -hmm. And so from there in that same area, they said, well, let's just build a hospital for these people. A hospital in the loosest terms possible. It's really just a jail. Right. But so an additional factor that prompted its creation was that Emperor Joseph II, the Holy Roman Emperor at the time, had discovered similar institutions during a visit to France. Okay. The Nairn term marked the dawn of madhouses and sentencing the mentally ill people to an existence of isolation and a kind of secrecy. Hmm. So while marketed as a, like a psychiatric hospital in a sense, it was more like a prison. Each cell had metal barred doors and chains for restraining the inmates. Damn. So on a similar note, there's the old Hotel Du. The Hotel Du in Paris remains as the oldest hospital in the city and the oldest hospital in the world to still be operating. Granted, being so old, the Hotel Du was ravaged by fire multiple times, resulting in many like restorations and reconstructions. It was rebuilt in its current location between 1867 and 1878. So we'll be discussing the old Hotel Du. So the old Hotel Du was supposedly founded by St. Landry in 651 AD as a hospital dedicated to St. Christopher. St. Landry is remembered for his charity and ties to healthcare, which is why he's associated with his hospital. Specifically during the famine of 650, then Bishop Landry is said to have sold all personal possessions to feed the poor. And the miracle that made him a saint was, I guess, a guy with a really gross swollen head and with a red rash uh, <laughs> all over his face. Um, he kissed St. Landry's sweat rag and uh, <laughs> he was suddenly healed. That's his, that's why he's a saint. Okay. So he's like all about healthcare and stuff like that. So however, the first known recorded evidence of the hospital only dates back to 1829, not 651. But that's still old as fuck. That's still like a very, very old hospital. Mm -hmm. So like other hospitals of middle-aged France, the old Hotel Du was started as a place catered towards the large population of poor citizens in Paris. Poverty was widespread, and the upper and noble class scum of the city <laughs> felt obligated to aid their pitiful peasant neighbors by helping to finance the creation of early hospitals, which resembled a hybrid of like a monastery, uh, a homeless shelter, and like a free clinic, essentially. Most popular in a lot of middle-aged European places, um, the wealthy would fund poor houses that also served as like many hospitals. So the poor and sick could receive lodging, food, and health care. And by the 17th century, these hospitals began to be specifically designed as either um, what's called Hopital General, which is General Hospital, or Hopital Dienfermant, which means asylum. So either it was General Hospital or an asylum. The old Hotel Du, the old Hotel Du was classified as an asylum. <laughs> so by the 18th century, hospitals across France were notorious for horrible sanitation and poor treatment of patients. This was evident by their high mortality rates. They were, for the most part, filthy, run-down, overcrowded, and very dangerous. The Hotel Du at this time, according to medical historian W.F. Bynum, was, quote, the most unhealthy and uncomfortable of all hospitals. The Hotel Du boasted an overall mortality rate of around 25%. Whoa. That's remarkably insane. That's, yeah. So despite being the largest Paris hotel with 1,200 beds, most beds held three or more patients at once, with the 1,200 max occupancy being completely disregarded as over 3,500 patients were admitted at any given time. Wow. So you were sharing a bed with three people. Whoa. 
For example, at the peak of its historic mismanagement, women were giving birth in shared beds with other patients suffering from any variety of sickness because there was no separation between patients with severely contagious diseases. Wow. So women were giving birth in bed with people that had like leprosy. Wow. And plagues. So that's why like infant mortality especially was just through the roof because there was no sanitation whatsoever. Wow. So horrific. During the Black Plague back in 1347, the overcrowded hospital had so many corpses that they resorted to throwing bodies into massive shallow grave pits, like mass graves. Mm -hmm. And later on, as the bodies began to decay, it would have produced heavily concentrated pockets of methane that escaped through the shallow grave covering. And the organic decay of the bodies combined with like organic plant decay mm -hmm. would release gases that caused an observed natural phenomenon called atmospheric ghost lights. Okay. A flame-like phosphorescence appears as like a hovering or fleeting ball orb, like form of gaseous light, mm -hmm. and it'll come out of the ground. And so this phenomenon commonly occurs in swamps and marshlands where like organic decay often releases from loose soil as gas. Wow. And this is why, I thought this was, I didn't really ever put this together, but this is why old UFO sightings are blamed on swamp gas. Cool. I have no idea. Because you see a light in the sky and it's actually ghost lights. Wow. Just from, yeah, right? Isn't that I so, want to look up pictures of this now. Isn't that bizarre? But anyways, Paris in the surrounding region is actually a swampy plain. So that's why it was also very common. And so here okay. where you had all these mass bodies emitting these gases as they're decaying along with the swamp um, like flora, vegetation rotting as well. You'd get these specifically by this hospital. You'd see these little ghost lights. Wow. They're so pretty. Oh, that's like why they're called like will-o'-wisps. Exactly. So when locals caught ghost lights rising from the burial site of the dead asylum patients, rumors spread about their spirits haunting the old Hotel Dew. Right. And its grounds. So, I mean, it possibly pure urban legend, but it said that some catatonic or comatose patients were dismissively considered dead and buried while still technically alive, with rumors of muffled moans and screams overheard from the asylum cemetery. Nice. So it also added to the, the lore around the, the mystery. Uh, Hotel Dew. Following a fire in 1772 that destroyed a majority of the hospital, people started, like, prompted a conversation about, like, hey, we need to make hospitals safer. Right. <laughs> and then Thank God. From, from there, there actually <laughs> standards started to be made. But there are many more notable hospital asylums that were founded during the medieval period and into the Middle Ages across the world. But one that stands out as the strangest, saddest, darkest, most notorious asylum in history is Bedlam. Okay. The Priory of St. Mary of Bethlehem was founded in 1247, originally located near Bishop's Gate on the outskirts of the walls of London. And then later on in 1676, the institution would be relocated a couple more times in its life. And right now it's like... Still near London, but in a new location anyways. Mm -hmm. This was a hospital by medieval terms, which was any institution that was supported by charity and or taxes for the care of the needy. So this was like a religious hospital. And to display obedience to the Church of Bethlehem, clergy members and patients were forced to wear uniforms or cloaks that had like the star of Our Lady Bethlehem on it, which is a five-pointed red star. Mm -hmm. um, and over time... The hospital slowly became less religious and more secular. But in 1547, Bethlehem Hospital was granted by King Henry VIII to the city of London as a hospital that would specifically house and treat the mentally ill. Mm, okay. And so Bethlehem is also another way this hospital was pronounced. It, language was really weird in that area back then. Like different dialects would produce different ways you would say names. Yeah. So Bethlehem was the primary name people referred to it as. And over time, it turned into Bedlam. Okay. So Bethlehem, then Bethlehem, and then Bedlam. While Bedlam wasn't granted to London for the primary purpose of housing the insane until 1547, there is evidence that it had been treating mentally ill patients as early as 1403. In records taken by charity commissioners during a visit in 1403, the commissioners took note of each patient, which included six male patients categorized as mente capti, which is a Latin term meaning insane. In those same records, the commissioners logged various supplies and instruments present in Bedlam during their visit, which included the following questionable items. Four pairs of handcuffs, 11 metal chains, six locks, which were used to either seal people in their rooms or tie them up in chains, Two pairs of stocks, which are used to restrain a person's feet while they're beaten. 
Nice. Okay, so the people that came to Bedlam for psychiatric reasons were not really treated there as much as they were put into medical confinement, as it was called, because mm-hmm. they didn't really know what to do with them. They just sort of kept them in place. And as long as you were quiet, you were fine. Bedlam is characterized by being like horribly mismanaged over the time it's been around. A lot of the masters, as it was called, of the hospital of Bedlam siphoned any donations into their own pocket. Yeah, just a misappropriation of funds, um, which really affected the patients because all the patients were living in like absolute nightmare. Around the 1550s, the hospital initiated a new means of garnering cash, and that was patients with identification bracelets were sent out into the city of London to beg for money to support the hospital's maintenance fees. So they would have them wear an ID that showed that they were, you know, they belonged to Bedlam, mm-hmm. but they would send them out to like Panhandle. So this got the general public more familiar with Bedlam and fed into its infamy. And in the late 1500s, the beggars known as Bedlam's poor were listed as one of the main sites of London. Wow. As Bedlam's reputation grew in 1598, Bedlam's overseers opened their doors to tourists and public visitors so spectators could pay to walk around and and watch crazy people. Wow. Essentially turn it into a human zoo. Ugh. So this gimmick netted the asylum around 400 pounds a year, which is in today's money is like 85,000 pounds, which is like $100,000 today. It made them a ton of money. Visitors ranged from the lower class to the elites, and according to surviving records, even the Pope had made a visit to look around it. Wow. It, it was for entertainment, which is crazy. Like, but none of that money went to the patient's well-being. No, not at all. No, not at all. So uh, one thing I thought was funny is uh, I found this in this book that I read called Ministering to the Diseased Minds, A History of Psychiatric Treatment by W.L. Jones. There's an account of a stocking weaver named William Hutton, who in 1749 walked from Nottingham to London to sightsee, and he visited some notable churches which had free admission. He was poor, so he just went to whatever places were free. Quote, one penny to see Bedlam was all I could spare. In the hospital, he met, quote, a multitude of characters and heard a variety of curious anecdotes. So, like, you would just go there to look at these crazy people talking about crazy things. So, like, literally just tourists walking through a mental asylum of people that were out of their cells, walking around screaming. Mm. Despite the money pouring in from the public viewings, inmates still commonly faced horrible living conditions, sleeping on thin beds of straw and chained to walls for any length of time in response to poor behavior. The new channel of revenue did, however, get used to pay for Bedlam's next evolution, a new hospital built in 1676 in Mooresfield, its image far grander than the previous hospital. Bedlam 2.0 was constructed with inspiration from the Tuileries Palace in Paris, which was home of, the, of uh, King Louis XIV. The hospital's 540-foot-long facade, decorated with Corinthian columns and topped with a domed tower, made it look far closer to a parliament building or a royal palace than an asylum. Weird. The new opulent madhouse overlooked a front lawn of formal gardens with tree-lined promenades, and a British antiquarian, John Thomas Smith, wrote in reference to the new bedlam, it was for many years the only building which looked like a palace in London. Bedlam's regal reinvention was also part of a movement to rebuild London into a modern and visually impressive city after the Great Fire destroyed much of its medieval architecture. Yeah. Um, And there was an anecdote I read where this guy was showing his friend around the city and he pointed to Bedlam and he said, what do you think that building is? And he said, well, that's definitely where the king lives. And he's like, no, that's actually a madhouse. Wow. Nothing else in the city looked quite like Bedlam. It was like gorgeous on the outside. On the inside, it was falling apart. Yeah, on the inside, it was... A horror show. This version of Bedlam was called a palace for lunatics. At the same time, private asylums were opening up across London, so Bedlam's gaudy estate was also a way to like visually break away from the crowd. And with the beautiful architecture and landscaping implying that Bedlam was the highest quality asylum with the highest quality care. But time would reveal this to be quite the opposite. Having been built after the Great Fire, Bedlam was constructed atop the rubble of London's old Roman wall. Because of this, Bedlam's foundation was unstable and compromised. Firstly, the massive palace facade was so heavy that it cracked soon after completion. This caused rainwater to leak through into the building, and the damage worsened to a point where all the rooms inside would run with water any time there was a rainstorm. Wow. So while the outside retained its regal appearance, the interior was a rundown nightmare. But Bedlam 2.0 found continuous success with admitting tourists, and the institution remained a fundamental attraction visited by the average Londoner on a special night out on the town. And I mean, it was like as common as going to see a movie. Wow. 
The concept of insanity was much different at the time with the belief being that almost anyone could fall into madness from like a variety of circumstances. So a visit to Bedlam also was like a way to serve as like a lesson to the public. Yeah. The lesson was more like keep your darker impulses and like natural instincts in check or else you might lose control of yourself and become mad. One of the ideas was like sin was a reason why you went mad. Mm. So like you just weren't in check of like your anger or your sexual desires or right. your drinking. So over time, Bedlam grew throughout the English lexicon. Exceedingly crazed individuals and difficult psych patients might be called Stark Bedlam Mad. That was a popular phrase. And following the Relief of the Poor Act in 1601, it was called the Relief of the Poor Act, which stated that only the poor who were incapable of working could be cared for by churches and public asylums. All other poor people had to go to workhouses or prison. So obviously there were some homeless beggars that would pretend to be crazy to avoid going to a workhouse or a prison. Right. And those people were called Tomobedlams. Wow. So like if you're able-bodied, you have to work. Absolutely. What the fuck? Soon Bedlam became interchangeable with chaos and math confusion or panic. And I don't know if you've heard the term before, but like we use it in the States still. Like it was absolute Bedlam. No. Like I just saw it in, in an article where it's like Biden faces Bedlam regarding whatever policy. Whoa. It's a term that we use today. I had no idea. I never heard that before. If you're going Black Friday shopping, mm -hmm. you go to Best Buy to pick up like a brand new PC or something, and mm -hmm. it's like absolutely mad in there. People are rushing all over the place. You'd say, oh, I went to Best Buy. It was absolute bedlam. Huh. Cool. I'm going to have to like incorporate that into my vocabulary. London, which at the time was plagued with poverty, crime, corruption, inequality, was often referred to as being a bedlam. Or on a larger scale, the world would be referred to as a bedlam. Mm-hmm. In 1815, the palace for lunatics was demolished, erasing the failed hospital as well as any trace of the inhumane treatment that occurred inside. Yeah. Literally, like, water would just run down every single wall of every room in that building every time, anytime it rained, you know? And, like, people would sleep on the floor. People would be, like, left chained to a wall for days. Wow. You would be dunked in cold water as treatment for if you were, like, going into a psychosis. They would strap you to a chair, and they would just drop you into a tub of ice water. Wow. And then pull you back out and then put you back in. Another method they would use, too, is they would put you in a chair on a rope and spin you so fast you threw up. Ooh. And they would just keep on doing that because they thought that would help you. And, like, the shock therapy and, like... That, I mean, that came later, lobotomies. but... Lobotomies. Yeah. All that stuff came later, but th this is even more primitive. This was, like, uh. beating you because they thought, like, beating you would beat it out of you. God. Putting what? your feet in stocks and beating you. I'd rather be in prison. <laughs> it was definitely, like... A fucking POW camp. Like, it was really fucked up. But the back then, that's just what you did to people that were mentally ill. You just didn't know what to do with you them. You just fucking beat them. You made them worse. Ugh. Yeah. Absolute bedlam. Yeah. Holy hell. That's all I have on that. Again, that was kind of all over the place, but... No, I think it was good. There are a lot of horrors in this world, and a lot of them are um, in places where you wouldn't expect. Yeah, that was not what I was expecting. I mean, it's... I think it's good and important, though, to, like, take little trips down memory lane and history and, like, <laughs> remind ourselves, like, where we used to be and kind of, like, where we are now. Yeah. And kind of, like, how we can see ourselves hopefully growing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. In the future, you know, who knows? But that's wild. Because, I mean, like, mental illness now is still, like, so misunderstood, you know, looked down upon and stereotyped and... It's still, like taboo taboo like it's still kind of the same there's still that idea of like let's just put them away somewhere mm -hmm, like i don't want to deal with that yeah like out of sight out of mind like the, the kennedys remember that we talked about that in our lobotomy episode mm -hmm. you know fucking jfk's sister was manic or something and so they yeah. bored a hole in her head and they put her in a, in a psych hospital and forgot about her right so like a very common up until honestly Still is. Still is. Like, but I mean, it was yeah. more, it was more socially acceptable, like in the fifties and sixties, you know, into the 21st century, I think it became more taboo to do that as well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, all these solutions too, like lobotomies for people with mental illness, these solutions were all about like stomping out the soul of a person to make them stop, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's dunking you in ice water until you're fucking traumatized or electroshock until your brain's pudding. Or lobotomy until your brain's pudding, like, shut them up. 
Mm-hmm. Like they don't actually care. We don't know what we're doing. We just want this to stop. But really they're causing irreparable harm. Right. We didn't know what we were doing. And that's the most dangerous. When, when a group of humans yeah. don't know what they're doing, but they're on like a righteous cause, mm-hmm. that's the, when they're the most dangerous. They're like, we're trying to, this is for the greater good. It's like, oh, fuck. Well, it's like, it's like that meshed with a complete lack of empathy. Yes, because they othered these people. Exactly. Because like they othering. They didn't see them as like humans anymore. They saw them as a problem to be fixed. And they didn't see them as like beings capable of like experiencing pain or misery anymore. They weren't able to see like, ah, if this happened to me, that would be really horrible. And I would hate that. Therefore, another person would hate that. They're just like, ah, well, this is what we have to do to shut you up. Yeah, we've got to fix this. And at a certain point, you're just fixing it for yourself. You're just like, this patient's a big nuisance to me. I'm going to mm-hmm. chain them to a wall so they don't do anything for a couple of days. Right. It's out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. I'll check in on you tomorrow. You'll be fine. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Well, thank you for <laughs> going down that dark hole. I feel, like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like now we're balanced out. I did lobotomies and now you've done asylums. Yeah, there you go. Our dark many sides. <laughs> Interesting, though. Interesting and important. And we threw some Sims in there, so I lightened it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah we talked about the Sims. <laughs> so we're fine. We're good. Oh, Ayurveda. Did you want to take the quiz? I can already tell you from just reading the descriptions. Um, I'm Veda. Vata. Oh, Vata. I'm Vata. That makes sense, actually, yeah. Mainly, I'm, I'll be honest, mainly just because I saw trouble sleeping, constipation, forgetfulness <laughs> and anxiety, highly sensitive to cold, overwhelmed, prone to poor, irregular appetite, uh, naturally kind, creative, energetic, easily distracted, mainly the constipation and uh, forgetfulness, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not finding any quizzes here, though. Should be A lot some. of this is just like snake oil stuff. It's like trying to sell me. Yeah, a lot of it is. A lot of it is for sure. But it's kind of interesting, though, because, like, I'm a 50-50 kapha vata, which is peculiar, I guess, for doshas. And the things that they say, like, oh, you probably like this food, but not like this food and blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, wow, I can't remember which one. But one of them, salads are too cool of food, like to counterbalance my type. I should eat more warm foods. And I love warm foods. And I hate salads it's like too cool and it's just gross to me i was like huh it's the first time anyone's ever validated my my cold salad my dislike complex for salads cold salad complex that's gonna be your debut album title (laughs) Um, i'm taking a quiz right now i found it veda Nice. Veda. 80% Veda. Yeah, that makes sense. And then 10% Pita. Pita. And then 10% Kaffa. 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 I got all the pronunciations wrong. <laughs> wow, I was way wrong. Constipation. Woo. Nice. Veda, Veda, Veda. Uh, I can't poop. Vata. Vata. Whatever. I like Veda more. <laughs> Vata. Vata. Yeah, read about it. See what it says and tell me how accurate it is. And if y'all are curious about your humors and biles... Ayurveda probably won't tell you, but I'll tell you something kind of similar, which is fun. Yep. I found I found this one on Chopra or Chopra.com slash dosha hyphen quiz. Uh, they did make me give them my email, so I gave them uh, my throwaway email. Nice. So maybe don't use that one if you don't want to give your information. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to our fun little mini-sode on asylums that wasn't fun, but it was informative at least. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. It wasn't fun, but it was informative. <laughs> Fantastic. I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was cool. I thought it was absolute bedlam. Well, people have a lot of fun listening to true crime and stuff where it's people literally getting murdered. So I feel like if people are allowed to find that fun, I think that we're allowed to find this fun. No, people love suffering. When we're talking about cum and what bile that is. Cum and poop and chains. <laughs> That's what we've been talking about. And cutting ourselves to let our blood out. Blood in our leeches. Yum. That's so cool. Cold salads, all that stuff. (laughs) Be bisexual. Yep. Well, 
If you guys enjoyed this episode, um, feel free to let us know or send us any ideas for episodes or feedback that you would like to give. Or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at according to an idiot at gmail.com. You can also stay up to date on episodes coming out and extra fun little images and whatnots on our Facebook and Instagram at according to an idiot or our Twitter at idiots accord. If you want to be real cool, Uh, We have a lot of fun extra content on our Patreon with ad-free listening as well. Early releases to our episodes and we are now starting a new project where we're going to be having exclusive episodes on Patreon as well. So if any of that interests you, be sure to hop over there, vote on your topics, suggest some that you would like. We always screen our topics beforehand with our patrons so you can get some good, good I don't know, fucking... Get that good good. Get your opinion in there, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Get your good good in there. (laughs) Get your good opinion. Also, uh, review us on iTunes and Spotify, uh, because we are a grassroots institution here, and mostly get spread by word of mouth. So, leaving reviews on iTunes, Spotify, all that fun stuff lets other people find us a lot easier. So, if you don't mind taking a few seconds to do that, it really does help us out. It's 222 right now. Angel number so you're meant to do it. You just gotta. What's 222? For angel numbers? What is 222? It's 222 for me right now. PM. Oh, see, it's 322 for me. Boo. In Michigan. I've been seeing a lot of angel numbers lately. Have you? Yeah. It's probably just coincidence. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to step on your dream for a second. (laughs) Just coincidence. We're gonna hang up and then I'm gonna tell you. Okay. How crazy crazy. this has been for me. And you'll change your tune real quick and in a hurry. We'll find it. We'll find out. Anyways, um, fucking bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Uh, I hope you enjoyed this and I enjoyed letting you hear it. So (laughs) uh, I will see you in time. I love you guys. Bye. Bye.